Here's something about my collection I don't talk about much. I have a small, growing PC of players who I admire as people. Athletes whose behavior on and off the court, I think, needs to be remembered both now and in history books yet to be written. Athletes like Martina Navratilova, Pat Tillman, Megan Rapino, Roberto Clemente, Hank Greenberg, Colin Kaepernick, Maya Moore, Larry Doby, and others. But sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I feel like my heart is in the right place, but if I really want to build a great PC, I should ditch the side PC and focus on my primary collection, 1980 through 2007 baseball. But even that is probably too broad. What I probably should do is focus on just two to four players from that era. Maybe Barry Bonds, Ricky Henderson, and let's go with Willie McGee. You know what, though? Willie McGee might have been my favorite player as a kid, but these days his cards have almost no value in the hobby. So what I should do is replace McGee with someone more investable. Frank Thomas would be a good one. But how am I supposed to have a great Bonds PC, a great Ricky Henderson PC, and a great Frank Thomas PC? There are already so many great collectors of those players out there that I should narrow my focus again. What I should do is really lock in on just one, really define myself in the hobby as a Barry Bonds guy, something that will be good for my branding. But what cards of Bonds should I collect? Definitely not cardboard base. What am I, some kind of money-flushing monster? Cardboard? Please. Maybe chrome or chrome refractors. Or what I should do is collect chrome gold refractors. But the problem is, everybody knows that only serial numbered cards retain their value, and not all of Bonds' gold refractors are serial numbered. So what I should do is make a list of Bonds' serial numbered gold chrome refractors and target just those. But there's another problem. Some of his gold refractors are numbered in the hundreds, and everyone knows that the only gold that retains value is numbered 50 or less. Now I have no idea what I should do. Should. Should, 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 should. It's the most counterproductive, most self-defeating word in the hobby. What should we talk about on today's episode? The word should. And why the only thing we should do with the word should is get rid of it. I'm Dave Schwartz. I would Dave on Instagram. I'm disgusted with myself. 
and this is the shallow end. out of our collecting, what do we use in its place? I propose want. In this somewhat personal episode, I'm unpacking something that has bothered me for some time. I don't know exactly how long, but I think it's been building, stirring inside of me. It's this idea that our collections have to adhere to some royal hobby standard of what a collection is supposed to be, what it should be. Everything has to match in its own way. Everything has to fit together. Everything has to be a round peg for a round hole and a square peg for a square hole. Well, I'm saying that's wrong. I'm saying that in this hobby, for me anyway, should is a four-letter word. We hear terms like curation and purpose and focus and questions like, what lane are you in? And, And phrases such as, this is the direction I'm taking my PC. And there's nothing wrong with any of those on the surface. I fully realize that some of what I'm feeling lately comes from a place of insecurity. I know that we all need our guideposts in this world, signs to tell us when to turn left or right, slow down or speed up. But where things go haywire, and I've been hearing this a lot lately in the tone and underpinnings of this hobby, is when the assumption creeps in that not sticking to those terms Those questions, those phrases, when you don't toe the line, that somehow all of that is wrong? Let's do a little experiment. I hope you play along. If you're listening to this first, thank you. Second, here's what I'm asking you to do. If you're able to stop what you're doing for about 30 seconds, ask yourself this question. Have you ever come across a card at a card show or on eBay that was just so stunning, so cool, or so interesting that it stopped you flat where you were and you just had to look at it? But even if it was within your budget, has this ever happened to you and yet you chose to not buy the card for whatever reason? Maybe this has not happened to any of you, but it has happened to me now twice in the last couple months. 
The first time happened at National, when I came across a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar rookie that was, shall we say, generously priced for a PSA 3. Kareem is the reason I don't really collect basketball cards. He's the reason that I don't collect them. Let me explain. He is beyond a shadow of a doubt my favorite NBA player ever. On the court, he was spectacular. And off the court, just his, his, his mind has been a real benefit to society. He's, he's incredible. He's thoughtful. He's generous. Anyway, the problem is, is his rookie card, that 1969 Topps rookie card, is, in my brain, hideous. It's a tall boy, which means it doesn't fit in my storage case, which means I won't buy it. And if I can't collect the rookie card of my favorite basketball player, what's the point of collecting basketball in the first place? So anyway, there's this PSA 3. Nicely centered, soft corners, good registration, a little something on the back that shouldn't be there. You know, a PSA 3. And the dealer wanted to move it. He even said to me when I remarked on the below comp price that he had it priced to move. If I was ever going to grab Kareem's rookie, this was the time. I wrote down the booth number, said I was going to think about it, which was true, and never came back. Stupid, stupid, stupid. All my cards should fit properly in my case, but this one didn't. So I lost out on a major opportunity, an opportunity to get an iconic card well below comps. And oh yeah, it just so happened to be the rookie card of my favorite basketball player. So I lost out on the card and the opportunity to jumpstart a Kareem PC and the ability to finally feel comfortable moving into the basketball collecting space. Here's the second example. A card shop near my work office had in their value box a 2005 Bowman's Best Albert Pujols blue out of 4.99 for 5 bucks. 5 bucks. It was raw, not graded. Pujols is swinging, following through on a hit. It's a gorgeous card. Pujols is wearing the home white Cardinals jersey with a red batting helmet. And at the bottom of the card is a red block with Albert Pujols in white lettering written on it. Plus, it's a blue parallel. So the card has this beautifully faux patriotic beaming red, white, and blue color scheme. Did I buy it? No. I, a Cardinals fan with a small handful of Pujols cards in my collection, talked myself out of it because it's not the kind of card I should be bringing home. Out of $4.99 is too many. It wasn't chrome or a refractor. Seriously, 
what was I doing? Looking at this card in the shop gave me a jolt of appreciation for something that was beautifully designed. But I walked away because of some false pretense that this card would have somehow been more aesthetically pleasing if it was out of 99 instead of 499. By now, you might have guessed that today's episode is less about explaining how one navigates the hobby on a budget and more about the pressures we put on ourselves to conform our collections to what we think they should be, which is just so self-defeating. I should strive to consolidate and trade up. I should focus my collection on just a couple of players or a couple of sets. I should buy the bigger card when I'm able to because who knows when I'll be in that position again. I should, I should, I should. Although there are people out there in the hobby who will judge us for not doing what we, and I'm using air quotes here, should or should not do, ultimately, I think we are our own harshest critics. No one judges us harder than we judge ourselves. So it's worth asking ourselves as we move forward through our hobby journeys, who exactly are we trying to please? Who are we trying to impress? Are we collecting for personal gratification or for social capital? Or maybe for some of both. By all means, if you loved collecting Tom Brady or Ronald Acuna or any other athlete, focus on Brady and Acuna. If you only want gold prisms or silver prisms or for that matter, hell, base prisms, go for that. If you only want serial numbered cards, then get serial numbered cards. I do, however, think self-examination and mindfulness, even in our hobby lives, has value. And it's worth asking from time to time, serial numbered cards, chromes or prisms, or Brady or Acuna, or Mahomes is your thing, it's worth asking, are we doing this, this collecting for the right reasons? Which is why I think the word want is so much more important, so much more valuable than the word should when it comes to collecting. This is not an absolute. Of course there are exceptions to what I'm saying. And the only person I'm really calling out, as always, is myself. In this episode, I am projecting all my recent frustrations with my own collecting onto the broader hobby universe. I wanted that Kareem rookie, and I could have afforded that Kareem rookie, but I said no to that rookie only because I would have had to turn it sideways in my case and make it fit instead of putting it in vertically like all my other slabs. I wanted that Pujols numbered to four ninety nine, but for some reason, I decided it wasn't scarce enough. Seriously, what the hell? And that I should be focusing on lower-numbered Pujolses. And now, 
I don't have a highly affordable, gorgeous Pujols in my collection. So what exactly do I want from the cards in this hobby? I mean, if I'm being completely honest with myself, what kind of cards get me off? And yeah, I'm talking about the cards today. I love the people in this hobby and the relationships I've made, but that's a topic for another day. Today, I'm just talking about the cards. I'm a card collector and I'm talking about cards. So I got serious with myself and I made a list. Here are the cards I want and the cards I don't want. I'm going to alternate between the two lists. And before I dive in, I want to be clear that these are my personal preferences, not judgments of anyone else's preferences. If you want to become a Harold Bain super collector, you do you. Okay, so back to my wants and not wants. I want Tops and Bowman Chrome Gold Parallels. And I like them whether they're numbered to 50 or not numbered at all. They're like jewels to me. They look special. They feel special. A few weeks back, I found a 2002 Frank Thomas Tops Chrome Gold Refractor in a discount box at a card show. I sent it off to PSA, and yeah, it will probably get between a 6 and an 8, because if it was a 9 or a 10, it would not have been in that value box. But man, that card was sexy. You know what I don't want? Manufactured autos, the kind that come in the box. The kind that come these days on first Bowman Chromes, and contenders, and optics, and a bunch of others. If I was an investor or a flipper, I would love these cards for their value, but as a collector, I think they're borderline hilarious. Autographs that players only signed because of contractual obligations, and they could not care less about who owns them. These manufactured autos, they're analog parables of the unreciprocated one-way parasocial relationship between athletes and fans. In my view, they don't mean anything. Here's something I do want. Cards that help me remember. Maybe it's moments from my childhood. I have a Philly Fanatic card. When I show one of my kids the card... I told them the story of how it used to piss off Tommy Lasorda to the point that Lasorda would go after him. Or maybe I want to remember a more recent moment. A while back, I picked up a Usain Bolt card because it reminds me of my wife and I watching him during the 2008 Olympics when he blew our minds by coasting, yes, coasting to a win in the 100 meters. I'm getting older. And I want to remember things. Cards trigger memories. Here's something I've realized I don't want. Cards of active players not named Shohei Otani. It's too stressful. I collect to ease my stress, not add to it. I don't want to drop a few bucks on the rookie card of some 22-year-old 
and have to check the box score after each game to see if their card's value is going to go up or down. For me, the risk of active players comes through fantasy sports or the very occasional sports bet, but not the cards. Another something I do want, cards that look awesome. I don't care if it's my favorite looking set of the Junk Wax era, 1987 Fleer Glossy Baseball, or something more current. I remember the first time I saw a 1999 Topps Chrome All Etch Refractor. It totally blew my mind. I loved it. Somehow Topps figured out how to turn pastels into neons. And well, it was the 90s and anything could and did happen in the card world. Oh, and also I like Topps cold gold chrome refractors. I know I already said that, but I cannot overstate how much I like how they look. One more thing I don't want, Panini Prism Green Parallels. God, those things are ugly. It doesn't matter what year of Prism or if it's basketball or football. The Prism Green Parallel is just ugly, but Panini insists on including them year after year after year. Okay, one last thing that I do want. The ability and willingness to make impulse buys without later coming down too hard on myself. There are millions and millions of cards out there, and sometimes I'm going to see something that I didn't know existed that I now want. <clears throat> Excuse me. If it's in my budget and it causes some sort of an emotional reaction within myself, I want to let myself buy it without self-judgment. Maybe I just think the card looks cool. Maybe it sparks an emotional reaction. Or maybe I let myself be a hypocrite for a while and I buy a prospect. Who cares? The whole world can't be scripted. We cannot plan out our entire lives, right? See card, buy card. Sometimes that can be a lot of fun. So why am I putting all of this out here in this episode? It's not to rant, but rather as a mechanism to hold myself accountable. And who knows, maybe you and I are similar in that we think too hard about what our collections should be instead of what we want them to be. Collecting cards, it's... It's not supposed to bring order and justice to your life. It's supposed to bring fun, entertainment, and escape. Your PC can be whatever you want it to be. But I want mine to be something I can look at and feel something. I don't want it to always fit neatly into a spreadsheet. Sometimes the best feelings I get from my cards are when I'm thumbing through them and I find something I can't even remember buying. But man, if it doesn't bring a smile to my face. That happened recently when I stumbled across my 1973 Tops Pat Riley. Take a moment to look up that card and tell me that mustache isn't spectacular. When he became the coach of the Showtime Lakers, 
his look went full Gordon Gecko. But back in the early 70s, it's pretty clear that Riles knew how to party. So let's wrap this up by taking it back to the beginning, to that awful word, should. It's time to put that word away. Retire it. Stick it down the garbage disposal or throw it in the back of your junk drawer. Figure out what you want, what you want. And as long as it fits your budget, freaking go for it. You ever see those quilts that are made from old t-shirts? They're awesome. Whenever I see one, I will go square to square looking at each one. They're so much more interesting than quilts that are, you know, uh, monochromatic. Oh, look, a beige quilt. It's the kind of quilt that keeps you warm when you're taking a nap, but you never actually look at it or think about it. I want my collection to be the t-shirt quilt. Thank you for coming along with me on this roller coaster. I have some interesting things planned for the next couple of weeks. But until then, thank you for your time. It really does mean the world to me. And thanks for listening. The Shallow End is a Wolfpack Network podcast. <laughs>